0: This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
1: Black people need some peace, white people need some peace, and we are going to have to fight we're going to have to struggle, we're going to have to struggle relentlessly to bring about some peace, because the people that we're acting for peace, they're a bunch of megalomaniac war and they don't even understand what peace means, And so we've got to fight them, we've got to struggle with them to make them understand what peace means. <laughs> Bobby Field is going through all types of physical and mental torture, but that's all right, because we said, even before this happened, and we're going to say after this, not that I'm locked up, not that everybody's locked up, that you can jail revolutionaries, but you can't jail a revolution. You might want a liberator like Harris Cleaver out the country, but you can't run liberation out the country. You might murder a freedom fighter like Bobby Hutton, but you can't murder freedom fighters. And if you do, you come up with answers that don't answer. It's a nation that don't explain. You come up with conclusions that don't conclude. And you come up with people that you thought should be acting like pigs, just acting like people, and moving on pigs. And that's what we've got to do. Because school is not important, and work is not important. Nothing's more important than stopping fascism, because fascism will stop us all. America's chickens!
2: Coming
3: home
1: to roost. Passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no! Not God Bless America, God...
0: And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham.
5: And thank you for being with us. This is Our Common Ground, and we're so glad that you joined us here tonight, December 18th. And we are opening up, throwing out a wonderful shout-out to the Our Common Ground Administrator, who um, had a birthday? Happy birthday to El Michelle Loga Odom.
3: <laughs>
5: we hope that you enjoyed your birthday this week. I, I believe it was on Thursday or Wednesday, and uh, we are wishing you the best of everything in your new year. How are you? I hope that everyone is fine. As we step tomorrow into the holiday season of 2020. Uh, also, our allies who have just completed uh, celebrating the Festival of the Lights. Happy Hanukkah to you. We hope that you and your family uh, enjoyed your holiday. And we are sending out holiday greetings to everyone, whether or not you celebrate Christmas or New Year's or Kwanzaa. It is a time for family. And one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is um, we're going to ask you to call in and talk about is the whole idea of what holiday spirit means to you this year. Uh, it is the ho- the major holiday uh, season, the longest holiday season where Americans are not able to freely join with friends and family. Uh, many of you probably missed the office Christmas party, the office holiday party, uh, the neighborhood holiday party. we always uh, back in Boston uh, had a neighborhood a holiday celebration. Everybody came out, whether or not there was snow on the ground or very cold and shared hot toddies and apple cider and brought goodies for the children. And we had what we called a door swap. And that door swap was that you would buy a holiday sell, uh, ornament or something for the front door of your neighbor, and uh, you, we would put them in bags, and people would just uh, everybody would bring one, and people would just grab. So, if you're listening to us on your smart device, you can join our chatters uh, in our chat room here at Our Common Ground by coming to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. We're asking you to let your friends, your allies know that we are here tonight. And we've called this episode of Our Common Ground Playing the Numbers. That's because in our second page, we're going to be featuring the history and uh discuss the numbers game uh which was a gambling scheme that was a uh economic um, bookmark or uh, in in our community all across the country, and most people don't know the history and the uh embedded culture of the policy maker the the numbers man and Uh, what numbers meant, and we're going to talk about that in in the second page. And we'll also take your calls. We'd be very interested to hear from you about what you remember, if you're old enough to remember before the state legal lotteries, the numbers game was still big in our community. Tonight, as we come into our broadcast, Uh, we want to take a look at, as we always do, the COVID-19 pandemic numbers. In the 56 states and territory of the United States, there were um, 17, I'm having a hard time reading this, there are currently 113,929 persons who are hospitalized with COVID. This today, there have been 307,831 deaths confirmed as COVID deaths there were one million seven hundred and twenty-five new tests conducted today. And of those, uh, there have been 17, total to today, there have been 17,452,905 confirm cases of covid there is nothing in these numbers that say that there has been any intelligent strategic precautions and preventions entered into by this government Everything that you hear has really been not a national approach, but state approaches. And um, many of you do know that Pfizer um, just started distributing uh, on Monday their vaccine, and Moderna will begin to distribute its vaccine on this coming Monday. And as of today, there have been 128,000 Americans in the United States that have received uh, the COVID-19 vaccine issued by Pfizer. And many of you will recall, and we'll talk about it more, that there's been a problem with what's going on with the inventory of that particular vaccine. Uh tonight we in this first hour we want to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. We also want to talk about um a stimulus package that is not. And um as a result um there will be hundreds of thousands of evictions and more Americans plunging into poverty. And that is unconscionable. There are many people who are, based on re- news reports this week, who are talking about the intent of this administration in regard to the death and the lack of a national plan to face this pandemic. Our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, and we invite you with your comments about some of these issues uh, that that I've just mentioned. Um, the other thing that happened today, you may not know, is that. Um Puerto Rico has Puerto Ricans have voted for statehood once again, and my question is what happens now um so let's start with the Trump cartel. If you've been anywhere close to the to the um news uh this week, you have read. That Russian hackers have been inside of major government agency uh, computer systems and have hacked. Uh, the list reported victims include the Department of Commerce, the Department of Homeland Security, State Department, the Treasury, the Pentagon, and um, Two interesting things have happened and I'd like to hear your, your 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 thoughts about it. The cyber security firm FireEye and the IT software company Solar Winds and there was an assorted number of airports and local government networks uh which included Austin City that I know of right off the top of my head, um, were also hacked. Um, And here's the, the, the concern. By compromising the network of America's 11th most populous city, that's Austin City, Russians could theoretically... Access sensitive information on policing, city government, elections, and borrow inside water, energy, and airport networks. Um, the hacking outfit believed to be behind the Austin Breach, Berserk, 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 Bear also appears to have used Austin's network as an infrastructure to stage additional attacks. Um, On last Sunday, routers reported that a state-sponsored hacking group had breached the Treasury and Commerce Department, sparking uh, an emergency weekend meeting of the National Security Council, and um, the hacker there was uh, reported by the Washington Post was um, Cozy Bear, Um, and uh, this intrusion into U.S. networks comes at a, a very awkward time, and and, you know, one of the things, and, you know, I'm, I've never been a conspiracy theorist, but one of the things, I had this discussion with Alpha on the Alpha show last night, but one of the things that we have to be concerned about is the trending of this current, I'm calling them a criminal cartel, and this Trump coup cool that has been going on now for weeks, a coup against the U.S. government by the sitting president of the United States, who is still insisting that he make every effort to overturn the election that happened on November 3rd, which all audits show he lost. So I'm, I'm looking at this, these, this hacking that's going on. And and every hacker has to have a portal that is vulnerable. And I'm wondering why the Pentagon is not handling its own cyber security. I, I'm just w- wondering that. And whether or not this is a vulnerability that was intentional. The number is 347-838-9852. We'd like to hear from you about this. And don't forget, when you call in to 347-838-9852, you have to select one after you dial in in order to be put into the, I want to talk to Janice Q. And again, we thank you for for being with us. So uh, I, I'm I'm just wondering. Now, let's talk about the coronavirus pandemic, and 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 I think all capitalists, corporatists and and crooks are all trying to take advantage i was i don't know about you, but I was incensed enraged that Jared kushner's family's business got sixty million dollars of the p e p money you know yeah Some of you got $1,200 checks, and most of the small businesses that needed it, that were losing their business as a result of the pandemic, got nothing. Well, due to the coronavirus pandemic's decimation of the labor and the expiration of benefits from the government relief package, uh, that that pretty much, if they had been continuous, would have kept families afloat. The poverty rate in the United States surged from 9.3% in June to 11.7% in November. In March the federal government offered a relief package that included one-time stimulus payments up to $1,200 per person and, and, and expanded unemployment insurance benefits, which actually resulted in the poverty rate declining in April, May, and June. There were some Republican governors who adjusted unemployment insurance benefits like Ron corrupt Ron DeSantis in Florida, Kemp in Georgia, and you know the rest of the bandits, the bandits that participate in the cartel. And poverty has has just risen by three percent because the government has not issued a penny for additional stimulus checks. The average unemployment payment from late March to the end of July was approximately $930, but it dropped to about $330 in August. And and what comes to mind, you know what comes to mind for me? Michael Jackson's song, They Don't Care About Us. The Trump cartel is a seditious, treacherous, treasonous, bunch of vile, all Republicans, corporatists and capitalists that have decided to seize this government. See, I'm, I'm, I know that I started out tonight talking about going into the Christmas, all the holiday season, and the spirit and all that stuff. But I don't know, short of a general strike, I, I, I don't know what. The answer is because the damages that are occurring right now. Because I really believe the hacking thing, well, here's my conspiracy theory. And it's the only conspiracy theory that I have pushed through this microphone in 34 years is they made it easy for Russia to hack into these national security and pentagon and commerce homeland security computer systems as a political payoff to foreign friends who okay you ready for the rest of it the the end part of it the the hook who fix some of these senate races Across the country, where people won that should not have otherwise, or could not have otherwise. So that's my one, you know, uh, next year is my final year on this microphone. It'll be 35 years, and um, next year I'm retiring. I'm really retiring. I mean, like, really retiring. So um, I, I, I'm, it might be my only conspiracy theory that I push through this microphone. But I'm looking at all of this, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe it won't be my last. Okay, we're going to go to 404. 404, you're on the air. Thank you for your call.
2: Hey, how you doing, Miss Janice, you hear me?
5: Yes, I do. Thank you for joining hey. with us tonight. This is
1: Big West. Yes, right? Yes, ma'am.
2: You, yes ma'am, yes ma'am. You put a lot on the table, see? I see I always look at uh you ever heard of Hegelian dialect? You ever heard of that? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. They create the pro for the family, they create the problem to get the reaction. And then they come up with a solution, and then you all I always look at who benefit, who benefit, okay? So far, mm-hmm. see I study core, I study core protein. That's what I do. That's what I do with all this paid opposition, and so the uh, these hacking things. See, I whatever the media say, I know it's operation Markyburg, It's conspiracy. Uh, we all hear as a result of conspiracy, okay? When you when our mama met uh, my daddy, that was a conspiracy. When your mama met your daddy, that was a conspiracy. Okay? And then if you go back to what yeah, if you go back to what JFK, John F. Kennedy said about conspiracy, okay? So they try to make it a bad word. When when two or three people uh 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 get together to do something, that's a conspiracy. But going back to this hacking thing, all right. Whatever the media say, I, I do the opposite because they got something called Operation Market bird. Okay? Well, all, every media channel said the same thing. And who benefit from this hacking? Okay? I can tell you about this hacking thing. One government agency, you never hear about getting hacked. You know what that is, that organization? Uh, government agency?
3: Tell
2: us, the FBI, tell us. Crimin, the FBI criminal database. Okay? So you never hear them hacking that. The uh the clip the meet people criminal record you never hear that so they just that one agent alone that needs to be hacked and the credit union where everybody get eight hundred score so them two agents right there it's all them hackers is the inside job okay well you, you know
5: you know Wes I'm huh? I'm I'm glad you mentioned no. credit scores
2: mm-hmm.
5: because I think that credit scoring the, the the credit reporting agencies are weapons of the credit, retail, and consumer industry and mm-hmm. banks.
2: Oh, I did hear about because... Equifax get hacked a couple of years ago, where they say Equifax got hacked. But that was that. That's, all them hackers are the inside jobs to me.
5: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, um, you know, I, with this Russian hacking, and you look at the plumbers that got sent into the Pentagon,
3: mm-hmm. and
5: and their job is to clean up what the Trump administration did in the Pentagon, and to divert uh, contract money. That's what they're doing. The plumbers that Trump fired. Four key people at the Pentagon a month and a half ago sent in his own people. And I think that one of the things that is happening is that this hacking is going to be a way in which Trump and Vladimir Putin can manipulate the American government, after he leaves.
2: Well, Ms. Janice, uh, uh, look at here. I, I know another good hacker was a couple of months ago. This brother in Mississippi hijacked a food stamp program and gave everybody $1,000 in their account. It was the brother did that in Mississippi about a couple of months ago. So that's what I we know. need some Robin Hood hackers like that. I mean, the whole system is corrupt. And uh, I don't know if you know Ms. Mississippi McKinney. Okay, she is, yes. uh, she got, uh, I talked to her and she said they do all that grandstanding when they argue in front of the televised vision, the Republicans, the Democrats, when the camera go off, they go party and have a good time. So red, like Prince told us, what did print say? Red and blue is purple, purple rain. They working together. All this is a joke. They
5: working together. what you call it? Okay, that, y'all? Tell, huh? The tell vision. <laughs> I love That's right. That's it. Right. I love That's it, right. Wes. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But, so I've been doing but, a lot of here's, research. But here's the deal. Yeah. I think uh-huh. that we are the 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 reluctant the reluctant collective. Uh, on one hand, we have no other nation as black people, and on the other hand, we are reluctant to claim it. And I think that we need to have that conversation, that discourse going, rather than attacking each other and and uh, yeah. I think that we you know I you know one of the things big west I don't know about you but mm-hmm. I grew up in segregation and one of the basic principles that I learned as a black person from growing up in the southern uh freedom movement from being in the in the black panther party uh Was that and it was that we don't down each other?
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. Because all us crazy in
5: public, all us crazy in public.
2: This whole, this whole again, look at here now. I don't know if I told you that last week, but all us crazy. Okay, black people, we suffer from epigenetics, the stuff that was done to us, and these white folks suffer. From this illusion that they're supposed to be in charge all the time, okay. So I had a debate with a, uh, a white dude on Carl Nelson's show, okay. I called, well, I called in and said, if he's not John Brown chastising his own people like John Brown did, so we black people we chastise each other too much. I agree with you on that. And you know what that devil did? He stuck the code. What he did, he did what Joe Biden and all the rest of them do. Want to talk down to me? And tell me uh 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 I agree with him, I'm gonna agree with him. He's not gonna be no John Brown and try to uh 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 talk down to me like I'm his boy. Like they always do. So so we all suffer from mental illness. Okay? So I don't think we
5: suffer down on black people. I won't agree down black I won't agree, Wes, that we suffer from mental illness, but I do think that we suffer from um, a trauma that has been in our history, that we suffered in our history, and that has been passed down from generation to generation. Uh, We are, we are not mentally ill. What we are is we are reluctant because we don't know who's going to come after us. And that's why I say we can't be in public attacking each other. One of the people, and and the reason I was talking about that tonight is because Mm -hmm. uh, right before coming on the air, I discovered that one of the people whose voice that I really respected attacked a, a podcaster attacked another podcaster unrelenting and in a shameful way and um and 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 then is walking around saying he has nothing to apologize for so well, you know you we got to stop that nonsense
2: oh and
6: yeah that's
5: what you need That's what. They, yeah i'm
2: Dr. Mike Whatever the white folks right. like, I do the opposite Whatever they like, I do the opposite Every doggone <laughs> thing, I do the opposite Okay, it took you know, me half of the my things- life To get this stuff out of my It took me half of my life to realize They've been lying, and the other half to, uh, to get it back right To flip everything back oh. right so, But
5: what we, we have been trying For years here at Our Common Ground To do, Wes Is to help us distinguish between the difference of critical analysis um and just downright being um, what's the word niggly <laughs> I Yeah, that's a that waste of
2: <laughs> energy Again, that's a waste yeah. of energy man to attack our old it soldiers And we at war, y'all. We at war. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna tell you a story about uh my grandfather, okay? Me and my cousin was rapping. We was young, rapping, you know, a uh, uh, horse-playing rappers. My grandfather mm. came in the room and yelled at us, stop, stop that. So I asked him, I said, what's wrong with you? why We just playing?" He told me, you know what he told me, McDaniels? He said when he was six years old, he wanted to get a job at the University of Georgia uh, uh, be an equipment manager. And you know what them devils made him do, fight another six-year-old black boy to get that job. So when he told me that, Janet. I said I'm never gonna attack none of my people unless it's just a for what I'm coming at.
1: Like. So
2: I mean I we gotta you. learn that.
1: Wes it was so great arrive. to to hear
5: to hear from you tonight, um uh, because we've, we we do. We've got so, so many things before us. And the things that okay. are before us are not us. Right. Uh, you, we don't well, see, I'm you, you
2: my know. My Look at this is my solution. I do like they do in boxing, what they do. They uh, they they fight for three minutes and they stop. Okay, so I figure that out. If I'm if I'm talking to you and we got a disagreement, and I don't go past three minutes because it's only gonna get worse. Like a boxing matches. if they go past three minutes, they gonna kill each <laughs> other. So I, I, I take the bigger a high road and, and like Michelle Obama and I shut it down, whether I'm wrong or right, I say, Well, I shut it down. And uh, I, I love you, and, and and we start uh have another debate about something else. All right? That's uh-huh, why you got to do uh-huh. Black people suck. Yeah. Somebody got to know how to uh, 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 check their tongue. And the tone they speak, too. I've been studying that tone and, and sound, too. So I've been doing a lot yeah. of studying. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. I got uh, – oh, when you when you get ready to leave, are you on the airport and everything? When you pardon me?
5: Uh-huh. Yeah, when, when – you when tired, I, the airport. Yeah. yeah.
2: But anyway, one more question I wanna ask you. Uh
5: about okay.
2: Fred Hampton. You Fred Hampton. You ever uh, had his, his son on your show, Fred Hampton Jr. No, I haven't.
5: Um um I haven't had the uh opportunity to invite him and maybe I mean I'd I loved Fred Hampton so much. Uh he um I mean this guy was beyond smart
4: mm-hmm.
5: and um even you know if, if even if we think about the walls that come up as impediments to to a lot of our voices, even Malcolm uh, before yeah. his assassination, if you think about um uh, dr King um, If you think about Ella Baker and Fannie Lou Hamer and what happened to her after her demonstration and formation of the Southern Democratic Freedom Party. Uh, So, you know, we all have uh, uh, walls. We, uh, Mm -hmm. We live in a system that creates the walls and the impediments, and we just have to... Step back, like you say, sometimes, and think about, okay, how do I, one, overcome this impediment? What is it really about? What is it made
2: of? Hey, I'm going to tell you what got Fred Hampton killed. He was bringing people together. I saw some videos where he had, like, everybody from every race uh, uh, and turned into Mm -hmm. a revolutionary. That's what got him yeah, killed. Yeah, you're, you're so absolutely.
5: When long he long. when he defended, when he was defending, um, uh, at the Abby Hoffman, the, the 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 trial of seven, Abby Hoffman,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and um, I can't think of the other guy's name, and um, when the I will always believe. That the judge in that case got together with the police superintendent of Chicago and planned his assassination, his execution, because he made points about the unfairness of the justice system in that courtroom when Abby Hoffman was on trial. And I'm old enough Mm -hmm. To have uh, been able to see Bobby Seale, I'm old mm-hmm. enough to have been able to see Bobby Seale cuffed, tied to a chair, and his yep, mouth covered with with tape. You you remember that?
3: Mm-hmm.
5: I think yes, that, ma'am. that the matter that that judge had to cease his behavior against. Um, Bobby Seale in that courtroom was the reason that Fred Hampton was executed.
2: Well, I had talked to Fred Hampton Jr. Uh, on the uh,
5: Judge Brown show yesterday,
2: so I, I'm gonna mm-hmm. try to uh, uh, get his get his information so he can come on your show. Or, uh, I, I follow him. him. I
5: follow him on yeah, I follow him on Twitter and I follow him on Facebook. So do that. Do that. Because uh, you got a lot of information.
2: I, you were there with it. You know his daddy. So you uh, you be yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm going to keep my yeah. like your, your information so y'all can talk, man. That'll help him out a lot. I mean, I don't blame him for him being angry and mad as hell. If that, I'll probably mm-hmm. be mad as hell if they get that to my people. So, I mean, he got a right oh, He's still a right kid. Sure, know these civil rights when their parents got killed. And, and, I know they got and I'll tell you, head, man.
5: I'll tell you another one who was targeted because of his association with Fred Hampton uh, was uh, Oscar Brown Jr.
3: Mm-hmm. And he
5: was never able to actually produce and make money from his music because he got targeted because he was writing music uh, from the the, the activism. Of um, the Black Panther Party, the party Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Hey Wes, it's been great talking with you. Yes um, ma'am. Right. Stay hope
2: strong, stay make, black, and, and enjoy the show. It's all a show, all a game, man. It's a joke to me. Yeah. I enjoy this stuff. Oh yeah, one more thing. You well, talking about nasty Kim? Krupus Kim? You talking about him arguing with Trump? And Kim was took went to Trump uh, Christmas party last night at the White Exactly. Eye. Exactly. So, so it's all a game. Yeah.
5: It's a joke. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, it is. So you, and um, I, I look forward to having Cynthia McKinney back on
2: program. Yeah, the, yeah, the my program. Call. They did her wrong. Again. Yes, ma'am. I yeah. love her. I yeah. her We did her wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. We
5: did her wrong.
2: I agree. But they they, they uh, used that computer against yes, her. They did her wrong. But, uh, yeah, yeah, she was my congressman, man, and uh, I love her. Man. Yeah. I wrote her in in 2016. You know, one of the reasons. 2016, I wrote her name in. I, I, that's what I do. I write people's name yeah. in for the president. I, so I of crooked.
5: Oh, good, good. Okay, thanks, Wes, and you have a great holiday season. And if you can, join us next Wednesday night. I hadn't talked mm-hmm. about it yet, but I'm doing my annual Kwanzaa teach-in on Wednesday yeah, night yeah, at 10 that. p.m. right here. Okay, right, you you, you, you enjoy your holiday and you stay black. <laughs>
2: All the time. And hey, you who do? You hoodoo, You, hoodoo.
5: you hoodoo. Yes. That was Big West. Uh, g- always good to hear uh hear from him. Our number is 347 838-9852. We're talking about COVID-19 vaccine. I really would be Happy to hear uh, from any of you out there who have had the vaccine uh, there's a lot of discussion in our community about uh the vaccine's efficacy and the intent of pushing it uh, all this stuff all of a sudden about black people need to really take it we are but <clears throat> there's one question that really um comes up for me, and that is the question of whether the side effects of this vaccine or any problems you might have with this vaccine are greater than the problems uh, that um, you would have if you are infected with COVID-19. Uh, I think I might have mentioned that my pulmonary specialist, um has indicated well, because I can't take a saturation of oxygen more than twenty five percent for anything um, I would be essentially untreatable if I got into severe respiratory um, arrest uh, as a result of the of the virus um and that is one of the reasons I am being so cautious, so very cautious. Uh, our number, 347 838 8, uh, stimulus package is on the table. And um, I am so concerned about the numbers of people um, who will see on January 1st eviction notices. Um, and and it's being estimated that more than 14 million American households are at risk of eviction. Um, and that comes from the Global Investment Bank, Stout, with nearly 5 million of those households expected to receive those notices as early as January 1st, when the ban on evictions will expire. Um, And 8 million Americans have fallen into poverty since the summer. 8 million. You're listening to our common ground. Um, I want to share something with you, if you will indulge me. You all notice that I'm kind of real calm tonight. I just decided that um, I'm going to change the things that I can change, and what I can change is the the the. I can change the misinformation and underinformation that is being offered to our people. That's what I can change. Uh, so I'm not getting so excited or outraged on every corner of what's happening in this country politically. Um, I think that we have to be Strategic, You know, in consulting, and you know I did consulting for a long time, and in consulting one of the things that I used to say to my clients when they were impatient about getting a specific problem resolved, that sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. And I think with this Biden administration, whether we like him or we don't like him, That's who we have. So we can continue to, I I think that smart black people, I mean, people who have really done a lot of reading and who have the ability to be critical thinkers, have the capacity to be critical thinkers, sometimes get lost in their own Thinking mechanisms that they get blocked, they get blind blind sight they they develop a blind side. You don't like Democrats, you had eight and four is twelve, twelve years to change the shit. 12 years, nobody gets 12 years to plan and execute something major. Usually, it's always a five-year plan. You had 12 years to evaluate Boston, Chicago, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, Marietta, Uh, um, all over the country to organize groups of people activists who would evaluate the 15 and the 5 year plans that every city has to submit to HUD for approval on housing plans 12 years 12 years Was it last week? Oh, no, it was something else I was talking about, and I kept saying 12 days a slave. 12 years a slave. That guy never, ever lost sight of, I got to get the hell out of here. But we had, you didn't like Obama. You didn't like Trump. 12 years to address policy mistakes policy
2: um holes
5: but now you want to spend all your time oh trump's not um, um biden's not going to do anything for us look what he did look what he did over there look what he did over there uh obama was the People, black people, going around saying Obama was the worst president. Yeah, he orchestrated the murder of Gaddafi, which plunged Africa into an uncertain future, and and rewarded Af- the 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 pl- the pillaging of African resources. But we didn't learn anything. From what happened, and I mean, and even, and even all this criticism of Nelson Mandela's administration. Oh, he didn't change the world. Oh, he didn't give us, um, he didn't give us everything that we wanted. We had the opportunity. But we got into the personalities, and that is why that whole thing week before last is very disturbing to me. And I guess it was really disturbing to hire a worker because he's he's still talking about it. And the fact is that the point that he was making about the water project in South Carolina, $117 million Clyburn brought to South Carolina. And you cannot do that without doing some other stuff. And I'm telling you, I've run candidates. My first, my first candidate was um, Bob Graham for his first race uh, for Senate out of Florida. But where I learned politics really was running referendum items like running a referendum item to force Palm Beach County to have a 7th district because what they had done was they had gerrymandered the black community. And the black community in this county at that time had a contiguous black population residential uh residential area. So twelve years, that's all I'm saying. I'm trying not to get upset, I really am. But I want to I want to I w I wanna I wanna share something um with you. Um you know that I am oh God, I done missed the page already. Um Oh God! What did? I, how did I do this? Um, oh, here it is. This is from the book *Cast* by Isabel Wilkerson, and now all the black people said, "Oh, the Boston Review, which I've been reading for a hundred years, the Boston Review is now uh, questioning whether or not." Some writer from the Boston Review is questioning. There was an article this week, and all the black people jumped right on it. Oh, yeah, uh, Isabel Wilkerson, she's not of the working class. She's not um, poor and destitute, so she can't really talk about race in America. And and the book really is about caste, C-A-S-T-E is not R-A-C-E, okay? <laughs> but anyway, and most of the people who are criticizing the book and 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 going along with the author of this 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 essay, which criticizes the book for not talking about, not talking about race, are people who didn't read it. You know that I know that you didn't read it when I read your comments. Okay. So I wanted to share as we go into this the, to the holiday season. Uh, into Kwanzaa especially. And I do want to let people know that next Wednesday night at 10 p.m., I will be doing my annual Kwanzaa teach-in. I didn't do it last year um, because I was, you know, you know I had to hide out from the plantation owners um, <laughs> but for almost two years. So this year, no, last year I didn't do it because um, there didn't seem to be any interest. You know, I do look at your responses to my posts about my shows to determine if there is interest in what we do here. And and I'm also going to talk about that on Kwanzaa. But let me share this before we go to break. In the book cast, when Isabel... Wilkerson talks about the symbols of caste. She says, um, An ocean away in the former capital of the Third Reich, Nigel Dunkley, a former British officer and now historian. Of Nazi Germany drove along a curve of what is left of the Berlin Wall. He pointed to the neoclassical buildings of the old Weimar Republic that were for a time run by the Nazis and have been reclaimed since the reunification of Germany. The office towers and government buildings came to a halt and gave way to a modernist stone hinge on 4.7 acres, the size of three football fields where once there had been the death strip to catch defectors in the Cold War. 2,711 concrete rectangles, as if a field of chiseled coffins of varying heights stand in formation, separated by just enough space for people to walk between them and to contemplate their meaning. The stones undulate and dip toward the center where the ground hollows out so that when a visitor reaches the interior, the traffic noise dies away. The air grows still, and you are trapped in shadow, isolated with the magnitude of what the stones represent. This is the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe who perished during the Holocaust. There is no sign, no gate, no fence, no list of the six million. The stones are as regimented as the Nazis and as anonymous as the captives shorn of identity in the concentration camps. Since 2005, the memorial has borne mute witness to anyone who wishes to come day or night. The designer of the memorial, Peter Eisenman, a New York architect, chose not to explain the meaning of the number 2711 or very much else about the installation. Quote, I wanted people to have a feeling of being in the present and an experience that they had never had before. In America, the men who mounted a bloody war against the United States to keep the right to enslave humans for generations went on to live out their retirement and comfort. Confederate President Jefferson Davis went on to write his memoirs at a plantation in Mississippi that is now the site of his presidential library. Robert E. Lee became an esteemed college president. When they died, they were both granted state funerals with military honors and were revered with statues and monuments. Let that sink in. She also writes that in Germany, few people will proudly admit to having been related to Nazis and will openly defend the Nazi case. Not even members of Germany's right-wing alternative for Germany party would suggest glorifying that part of the past. The Germans who may privately mourn for family members lost at the front, Nyman writes, know that their loved ones cannot be publicly honored without honoring the cause for which they died. And now that you know, you are in America. I spent six months in Berlin when I was very young. I was a graduate student, and in Berlin, you cannot move around the city without running into. Symbols that honor those who were tortured and killed because they are Jews. In America, there are few people, few places where our ancestors are honored are reviewed. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you for being with us, and we're going to take a break. We are going to take a break.
3: This is Our Common Ground. Can you dig it?
5: Thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Transforming Truth to Power, one broadcast, Thank you, Charlie.
0: Here are the the top 10 things you can do if you think you might have coronavirus or COVID-19. One, stay home. Two, monitor your symptoms carefully. If they worsen, call your health care provider. Three, rest and stay hydrated. Four, if you have a medical appointment, Call ahead and let them know you may have COVID-19. Five, if your symptoms are severe, call 911. Six, cover your cough and sneezes. Seven, wash your hands often. Eight, stay away from others in your home. Use a separate bathroom. Nine, avoid sharing personal items. And 10, clean all surfaces that are touched often. For more information on COVID-19, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Let's take care of ourselves and each other.
2: If Republicans are playing cultural politics, why are the Democrats playing that? And why can't they be on the offensive?
1: And that, that's the first Here's the second chunk. You've got
2: the Republicans beating this old message of debt. You got Mitt Romney
1: standing in front of a dead clock now. And that will be the narrative. And the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight. As they the best at political talkback. Common sense. Right from the concrete. Urban Progressive Politics. Politics.
5: Politics. Friday night at TruthWorks Network, 10 PM, Alpha drills down deep the lies, the conspiracies in politics. It's just damn politics.
2: The Alpha Show. It's all the-
3: Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers. But we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers. But we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists. But we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste.
1: And oh where's that honey? I where's my God? And oh where's my money? Unreal values is a distortion. Unwed mother need a portion. Kinda brings to my old young King Tud. He did it now. Try
3: to make
7: it real
1: compared to what
0: You're listening to our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
3: Now back to Janice.
5: And we thank you for being here and we're we're still asking compared to what? These people are our government and I'm 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 I'm, I'm definitely down for the general strike. Uh want to make some announcements. Um Alpha, as much as he wants to be on next week Uh, We are going to tie him down and muffle him, and the Alpha Show will not broadcast live on Christmas Day, (laughs) Christmas night. And the Alpha Show will not broadcast on New Year's night. So Alpha will be returning on January 7th at TruthWorks Network. Uh, The other is that we have some friends who uh, are doing some great work on these internets, and we want to remind you about them. Real talk with Zakiya Sankara Jabbar, and she has been with us as a guest. She now has her own podcast, on Thursday nights on the YouTubes, and guess what, and I'm sure he's listening, but he didn't give me all the specific information, but the Our Common Ground Voice, Pascal Robert, now has a podcast along with Jason Miles, and uh, it's called This is Revolution, and they will have their first uh, scheduled podcast on live. Both of these, Real Talk with Zakia Sankara-Jabbar, and um, This is Revolution with Jason Miles and Pascal Robert are live, and... Um, They are both on YouTube, but this is Revolution with Pascal, and Jason will broadcast on YouTube for the first time on Tuesday night, and he's listening, and he can call in and tell me the time, because I don't know the time, uh, because he didn't tell me the time. So um, we... um, Want to remind you about that. As to our common ground, we will not be with you next Saturday night, and we will not be with you. We're going to be taking off on um, <coughs> um, for New Year's uh, weekend, so we will be returning on January eighth. But on this coming Wednesday night. We are going to be broadcasting live and hope that you will join us. You're certainly invited for our annual Kwanzaa teach-in. I think it's so important for black people to understand and embrace and claim and teach our children the principles, the Nguza Saba, spirit of our black living. And that's why I do the annual Kwanzaa teach in. And we hope you'll join us. that that'll be at ten PM and you can let the kids stay up. They'll probably fall asleep. I promise I won't be cussing. So um we hope that you will enjoy in in, in join as we prepare for our holiday season, and I know that this, you know, the Christmas and the New Year's, um, you know, even Boris Johnson, in, uh, the Prime Minister of the U.K., announced today that he's canceling all restaurants. He's canceling all public gatherings for Christmas and New Year's to bring down the pandemic in that country um you know and we've got the trump cartel criminal car- cartel international criminal cartel um running around and doing nothing saying nothing and trying to take advantage of a vaccine where there's been work on it for 7 years and for a vaccine for which it will uh is designed to bring down, the, to shut down this pandemic. And he was telling us that COVID was a hoax. Do you all remember that, right? Okay. Now that we're in our second hour, and we thank you for hanging out with us, um, we're going to have a lot of changes on this program come the beginning of the year, and we will talk with you about it. Um, A lot of changes, uh, different changes. Uh, I will be going into approaching next year, next October, my 35th year on the air. And that is a lot of radio stations uh, and two locations on the Internet since the Internet was being made available to us. And at the end of that time, I will be retiring my microphone. Um, this this thing has changed so much. It is all about commentary and the host's opinion, and the, uh, m- many of you will agree that while I might throw some ideas out and some solutions out, it has been my intent, the mission of this show, is to have people who have thought about this, researched an issue, um, written about it, taught about it, learned from the best black minds, in this country about this black struggle. So uh, we hope um, to have a, a good year next year. Um, you know, and one of the things is the media, it, it, this, it, the, the new media has changed everything. Uh, I finally did have a conversation with my mentor, my radio mentor. My first radio mentor was Bob Law. Out of New York, WBAI, uh, who did um, Night Talk, and had been doing it for a couple of years before I met him, who 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 took my hand and said, "This is the kind of stuff that we need to do." And Bob and I co-hosted, co-chaired the National Association of Black Talk Hosts for maybe about six or seven years until. The corporate media started luring, sucking up, and canceling what I would call the best of black talk. Um, And the genre started to disappear. So, you know, you still have a few of us. Uh, Joe Madison is still around. Um, and XM, uh, XM Radio really screwed up what uh, Kathy Hughes had done at WOL in Washington, D.C. in putting together uh, the first uh, 24-hour, seven days a week Black Talk uh, lineup, including herself, and then after uh, i we'd have to we'd have to have two more hours to talk about that but anyway uh, um so now you've got black voices who um are dis- dispersed and being controlled by corporate media and it's a damn shame but anyway we're in our second hour, and if you'd like to join our chatters in our chat room, you can come to Blog Talk Radio backslash OCG. Tonight we're featuring the history. Uh, I decided to throw in a, a, in a feature. I don't want you to go away to your holiday <coughs> with all of this politics, all this nasty, corp- uh, nasty corruption, uh, treason, and sedition going along. You can get that from um, somewhere else. But but I I think that there are parts of our history that are so intriguing, so in history, uh, so interesting. So tonight we're featuring the history of uh, and discussing the numbers game, you know, the policy, the policy game and I do have a clip of an interview of someone who was a policy man in New York who talks about it, but the numbers were a sprawling black-run business for decades across this country. In 1971, the New York Times reported that an estimated 60% of the area's economic life in New York depended on cash flow, from the numbers, which employed an estimate of 100,000 workers across the five boroughs. And numbers, men and women, uh, in many ways, fill the void left by a formal economy indifferent to black residents, They bankroll many small businesses from bars to restaurants to corner groceries and also save many businesses from bankruptcy. These bankers helped get out the vote, buttress black civil rights groups, and contributed to black political candidate campaigns. In most of the history, you may read the criminal aspects of the numbers, Are the policymakers rather than the everyday part of who they were in in the communal, reciprocal, and congratulatory qualities? Only one image captures the whimsical design tip sheets used to help players choose a number to play. Most of us are familiar with. The Sonny Boy Dream Bo- Book, Old Aunt Dinah's Dream Book, and the Gypsy Witch Dream Book of Numbers, two of many simple yet illuminating publications used as Bibles for the people who played them. Interpreted dreams by assigning three digit numbers to different symbols, and nearly an image or experience that it could appear in a in a dream, and each w- each week, the Sunny Boys numbers were published in the national black newspaper, the Pittsburgh Courier. And a lot of people in the South, especially, used to call the numbers or the policy in New York. They call it policy anchors. In other parts of the country, they call them the numbers people. Uh, but in, in in the South, especially in Florida, which when I was growing up. We knew it as Bolita, although the number... okay, Blog Talk Radio dropped me, and that's why you heard music all of a sudden. (laughs) So I don't know how many of you remember uh, that I I was saying that the numbers record uh, was unregulated and untaxed. But there was no stigma among blacks to be involved with policy or numbers. Number bosses nevertheless sought respectability by investing gambling profits in, in legitimate businesses. I'm really interested in to knowing, and our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. 9852 how many of you know about what I'm talking about, the numbers racket, Um. Bolita uh, policy making, you know where in 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 some large cities, people would go to the banker. They had offices, or go to the numbers man's house and put in their bets. Um, but in most small, especially in the South and and uh, in the Midwest. Most of the numbers people came to your house. I will never forget that my mother, who, my mother, you know, the numbers man in the south, they came to the people's house. And you could see, if you knew who the numbers man was, or uh, numbers woman, because there were Beauticians who became what is called policymakers, numbers people. You go into the barbershop shop and play a number. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, men would go to the barbershop shop on Fridays just to wait for the numbers man to make their bets. Um, my mother, who didn't drink, who didn't smoke, who didn't go out night clubbing who was a stalwart person in the community played the numbers and that that is the that is one of the few memories that I have of my parents arguing because my father didn't want the numbers man coming to my house
3: <laughs>
5: because it was an illegal it was illegal gambling and um so my mother used to go over to the down this up the street to the beauty parlor lady. Not even the beauty parlor lady that did her hair and wait for the numbers man to come in. I guess she turned over her engraving, I'm telling her secrets. Uh to to make her bets. My mother didn't she didn't need the money I don't know, I can't I, I still to this day can't figure out her love I mean, she would love the, the 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 she did love the lottery because the Massachusetts lottery came out while she was still living. And every time they would come visit, you would have to take them to a place to buy the lottery tickets and my father and my mother would be sitting at the dining room table Going through filling out, you know how when the lottery first came in, you you had to have your numbers and you fill out the little sheets and and I I I've never been a lottery person, um, and you fill out the little sheets and you you mark the numbers and then you take it back and you get the ticket. I mean, all of this was going on, and. And, and and I think it's such an interesting history. I want you to hear. This is a numbers guy from New York, who um um <clears throat> was interviewed about his life and this whole thing about the numbers, and and our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, and. And how people avoided the the police and the whole nine yards. It's a it's a very interesting and there is um, uh, a book that I didn't get. Um, I didn't I didn't get the book in time, and it was written by Bridget Davis. And the title is The World According to Fannie Davis, My Mother's Life in the Detroit Numbers. And then there was an article, and I will post it on my Facebook page by a woman by the name of Louise we- Merriweathers, um, who I tried to contact for this feature uh, and her book is "Daddy was a Numbers Runner," and um, and 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 what she recalls are the number of women. For instance, she points out that a woman by the name of Stephanie St. Clair, who's pictured in our banner for this week. Was known as Madame Queen, and she ran the numbers game in the pre-war in pre-war Harlem. And then there were a, a number of people. I don't know how many of you like me. I, I I knew the numbers man, the numbers people. You could tell. I I don't know how all those people didn't go to jail, and I, I imagine that some of them did go to jail. But um, at the pool hall, if you walk by the pool hall, if you walk by, you know, and 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 I remember hearing my father say to the numbers, to the numbers man, "Do not enter my home or my business. I have a license that I could lose." If you, if I get caught up in a net, because one of the things I imagine, and, and I don't know, is that if a numbers, a black numbers person was arrested for illegal gambling, that they would take all their money. They would 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 harass the bankers. I'm not sure, but it's an interesting, interesting piece. Uh, of our history take a listen
6: so that's how I got involved in policy became my business uh, so to speak you know Um, when um, and as I started to to gather information on them on, on the policy wheels themselves of course I started to realize that it was, a, it was a true business in the black community. It was not a gamble. It was a business. It was, uh, uh, it was a business that employed uh, uh, probably altogether some 20,000 African Americans worked in policy at various levels. Uh, there were there was the people who wrote the books. That could be uh, your barber, your beautician, or any place where people came in and out. It could have been your bartender. Uh, it could it could have been a store clerk, or it could have been somebody like my grandmother who uh, who wrote her own books because she played enough uh, where she had her own books to write. She did she did after <laughs> nobody had to come to her. She did her own. Um, but um, then uh, there were the, uh, the field men who collected, uh, who set up policy stations. A policy station would have been like a small basement apartment. And people would go in and this place would have all of the policy books they would write for all of the policy books. In other words, if there were, say, 35 books, uh, these people had the authority to write for all 35 books, and they sorted out who uh, got the slips and so forth and so on. Uh, and, these were, and and this was a policy, this was a policy station. In other words, it was dedicated to doing nothing. But policy, okay on a uh, on a on a typical day, you could sit and watch and you'd see two to three hundred people go in and out of a policy station during the course of a day, okay, and maybe more. Um, the policy station, whoever ran the policy station. They didn't work for any one book, like I said. They worked for a lot of books, 30, 40 books uh, in that. Policy generally was um, uh, done in um, like one, two, three. Like maybe a five-book setting. In other words, that you give the gambler a chance to play in what, would, what was called a one-leg book or a two-leg book or a short book. Now, the meaning of that is one a one-leg book meant that the drawing, the paper drawing, had figures, numbers on it that were put on just right down the center of the book. That's a one-legged book. Just down the center of the, the, the policy slip would be, let's say, I don't know, 12, 14 numbers. I can't remember now how many numbers, but it would, it, they, they, were, they, were, they were uniform, whatever it was, whatever the size of the book, I mean, whatever the number was, it was the same and that was a one leg book then you'd have if you turn that if you turn that slip over there would be two rows on either side of the book running up the sides of the book okay that was called a two leg book a two leg book generally provided where the person could uh play you you realize do you not realize uh, how if you hit that 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 meant that you that was your gig that you played that you you were successful if you got all three numbers if you wanted to box it which would mean that if you played a nickel on the gig and a nickel on the box you would get 50 cents if you, two, if you got two of the numbers that you played. If, you, if only two fell, then you would get 50 cents back because that, that, that's what the box meant, okay? Now, on the two, in the two-leg book, you could play a gig for a nickel, but then you could also play across. The gig would have to come three numbers in a row on one side of the book or the other, one, one, one or the other side of the book, okay. But if you wanted to play a, if you wanted to cross that, which would mean that you got two numbers on one side when, it, when, they, when the numbers came out, you got two numbers on one side, and one number on the other side. That would mean that you had a cross if you played a cross. But you'd have to play. You'd have to place your bet on a nickel on the cross, okay? Or you could play. A, you could you you could box it, which you would again get two numbers, but you'd only get 50, You would you would get uh, twenty five cents in that book because you had bigger chance to to, to make it. You you, you you follow what I'm saying. The guys the the policy kings, this guy certainly fits the profile okay. of 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 Roe. I mean he is sharp, he is he's a light skinned African American which which most of them were they uh most of the most of the kings were were light skinned uh uh guys yeah and um they were um all of most of them were all of them i can't think of one that wasn't educated they were guys who who went to college who who, who came out and said, "I'm not going to go to the post office to go to work. That's just not what I'm going to do with my education." <laughs> and they and they became and, and 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 they went into the policy business. He was a state representative, and he worked his life trying to get policy, trying to get policy legalized. To the point, because all that's happened is they took policy and that's what today's lottery is about. Every state now uses the lottery in some form or another and, and and when they instituted lottery, the lottery they said it was going to be for education. I promise you it's mostly gone to the general fund. To use because it was that's that was a cash cow in in my day coming up, the truth is uh, I knew many godfathers they didn't kill anybody they didn't but they they ran organizations with without doing that it was you want to if, if if you're going to make some money, you're going to do what I tell you to do, and you're going to do it the way I tell you to do it. You know, and uh, and 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 that Dawson was as close to being a godfather as anything you you'd ever. It, it, it better really. I mean, uh, like I say, he didn't he didn't he didn't have to kill anybody. He worked on 55th Street, but the barbershop was owned by a Greek guy. The Greek's wife convinced Nolan. Nolan was doing the Greek's wife. Okay. Okay. And the Greek's wife uh, convinced him that he could sell dope. Nolan went into that, got caught, and went to jail. In those days, that was a... I mean that was a way out kind of an offense no blacks were not into that kind of trade we We didn't know anything about it at all. so when he came out, he wanted to go into the policy business because policy was still a money maker and he still had money and uh I think he was convinced uh by more rational minds that he shouldn't be in the policy business okay. that he should stay out of the policy business so the syndicate because because he would bring the the feds didn't didn't bother policy they didn't uh, they they didn't uh, do anything with policy it was strictly a local situation with a good un- with a good understanding with everybody that you know, we understand it's an ec- it's an economic tool in the community. Okay, so he would have brought too much heat to the business. Yeah, he brought bring too much heat okay. to 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 the business. So he did a lot of financing with his money. He he did a lot of financing on a and um, and he was one of the few real gangsters that we had I mean he was he was a gangster uh, in the, the syndicate called him and said to him uh, we'd like for you to be our enforcer mm-hmm. we don't need to come out there we need you know have somebody out there will take bring the money in and so forth and so on and uh, Nolan told him uh, I'll take care of my business you take care of yours you don't mess with me and I won't mess with you I mean, he was, he was that, that kind of serious Three, Okay, well, down on the first floor of that used to be the Panama Loan Company. And it, had, it, was, it looked like a little small bank. It was laid out that way. It was owned by a guy who owned the, the Panama Limited in policy called, his name was James Irving. And James Irving and his brother, and I'm trying to think of his brother's name. I can't remember Jimmy's brother's name. But anyway, they borrowed They borrowed 8,000 from Nolan. And they were supposed to return the 8,000 plus four on a Thursday after the Thursday uh, drawings came out. Nolan went by and they told, they the first time he went by, they told him that uh, come back a day later and get his money. The next time Nolan came, he came with his shotgun, like you're going hunting, over his shoulder <laughs> and got his money. Nolan back was he was the real. they killed nolan back on i think the, i think if my memory serves me right, it was on the the off ramp of the Dan Ryan at Randolph street
2: federal, agent.
6: federal agents? okay right. yeah. yeah, wildcat policy wheel was a policy wheel where somebody we'd sit here and 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 you'd say you and i would we we would be talking, and you'd say, you know." uh I'd like to make uh twenty thousand dollars over the next couple of months. So we'd say, well okay, why don't we why don't we name us why don't we get us a policy wheel and and we'll come up with a we'll we'll come up with uh we'll find out I'll say well I know a guy that's that that does some printing who owns one of the, the choppers. choppers. Okay. And he'll all we have to do is get the all we got to do is get uh, the cylinders made up in our, you know, with our name on it. Our, our our policy name on it. And um we get two three guys that we know to go out and put these put these drawings out. And we'd be in business. We'd hang around. And the guns had a, a 1948 Mercury, Ford or Mercury, a, a dark red car, it, and he had a like a little silver s- cylinder, it's a triangular s- light or something that was on the top of the car. I don't know. I I, I never did know what it was because the car, in those days, uh, police cars, they didn't. They didn't have them like they are today. You know, a Toyota might drive up today, and it's the police. You know, but in those days, uh, they, all the cars were basically standard cars. Even the plain, ca- plain clothes cars were still black <laughs> cars. You know, um, but the guns drove up, and he he got out, and it was in the wintertime because he, I remember he had on a, 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 a coat. And but we were standing outside, and he said to the guys, he says, "Fellas, when I come back, I want you all to be gone off this corner." So he just turned. He just turned his his his, his body, as if he was as if he was about to walk back to the car. And then he turned his body back and said, "I'm back," (laughs) and start swinging that club. Now, see, guy couldn't do that today. Everybody, the, the 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 people would be all over him. But the truth is, how do you prevent crime? You stop crime where it is. You you come up if you come up on somebody who's suspicious like that, you need to question wh- where you going, who are you why are you standing here that's what that's what policemen did
3: this is our common ground can you dig it?
5: thank you for joining us tonight
2: transforming truth to power one broadcast Thank you, Tony.
5: we do thank you for being with us and, and hanging in here on this future and playing the numbers. I mean what we're what this whole thing tells me is that there was a major financial infrastructure going on in the black community because one of the things that if you if you missed it is that the numbers man or the policy man, the policy, they were bankers. Uh, you put in your bet, and and, and, and their integrity, credibility, and uh, the ability for folks to trust them. You put in your bet, you maybe give the numbers man five dollars, so you could make maybe $50, and, and if you if you won, you know, I don't know how many of you remember that on Saturday uh, everybody was going, I mean, you know, even people coming to church say, you know, Miss So-and-so hit the numbers yesterday.
3: <laughs>
5: I mean, you know, I was one of those, Kids, this is going on when I was a kid. I, I was one of those kids that listened to everything. I paid attention, and um, or you see that uh, so and so miss so and so lost ten dollars on the numbers yesterday. She played ten numbers to the side or ten numbers in the box or whatever. <laughs> but these pe- these these men and women were also able to act as personal bankers. There was a a story in my community, one of the numbers guys, the big number guy, and they called him Cracker Johnson. And of course there's always a story with it. Uh, It is said, and I'm not I don't have any facts on this, that Cracker Johnson was shot dead because these are these were people who they dressed up. You know, many of them, as my father explained it to me, to, to me um, as an adult, they were people who came in and out of the major cities, Atlanta, uh, New York, uh, Los Angeles and they would travel there often especially the numbers of people in the south so they 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 wore the most popular kinds of styles um they had had really really nice cars and they were people that people were able to go in and say look I lost my job and uh I can't start my new job until next week uh can i can i can i get 50 dollars can i get 40 dollars just to buy some groceries or uh 50 dollars to buy some groceries and some gas these were people who were running a very serious underground illegal you know i took a look at uh an interview that Bridget Davis who also teaches at Baruch College of the City of New York City University of New York, and one of the, the she said that first of all the she was talking with Cherry um, Gross at uh, Fresh Air uh, some years back when she wrote this book, and one of the things she points out she says and I I'm quoting her the numbers were first of all illegal, they were a precursor to the legal lottery that we all know about today. So when my mom launched her business in 1958, she was stepping into an already thriving and robust business. It just happened to be underground. Black folks knew about it, and they called it the numbers. It basically existed across the country thanks to the Great Migration. Black folks had taken this business to different cities, even though it began in Harlem. So by the time my mom stepped into it in Detroit, she was able to have a ready set of customers because people were already playing the numbers. She simply went to her neighbors and friends and said, I'm now going to be banking the numbers. That was how she expressed it. You can give your bets to me. Then she goes on in this interview. She said it was It it really was just a matter of making sure the authorities didn't find out, but really circulating those dollars in the community over and over. So you might go to someone's house, home, and you would give that person the numbers you wanted to play for that day, and you would pay for those numbers in cash. The person would take the money, like any good bookie, and then that evening when the number came out, let's say you were lucky and you won, you would go back to that bookie and collect your winnings. And she explains that um, that um, there was a system of how um, uh, the big... Um numbers bosses employ people who helped with the calculations and and in her book, my mother was a bookie. my mother ran numbers um that the numbers that they used to determine who won what were the running numbers was was really dependent upon what system that uh, the bookie, the numbers man, numbers woman used in a community. Um, <coughs> so it, it, it's just a, a, a very interesting, and I, I read an old New York Times uh, article about it. Uh, the Daily Lauder was originally a Harlem game, then Albany wanted in that in the early 1920s, a man by the name of Casper Holstein, a black man from the Danish West Indies, who worked as a porter for a Fifth Avenue store, liked to study the clearinghouse totals published in a year's worth of newspapers he'd he ser- say. The clearinghouse was an operation that managed the exchanges of money among New York City banks on a daily basis. Until then, lottery games existed, but the winning numbers were often chosen in unreliable ways. And for 60 years, the numbers reigned supreme as New York City's preeminent daily lottery game. So Holstein came up with an ingenious solution. He used the clearinghouse totals to produce a random combination between Three zeroes and three nines, and he came up with the daily three digit winning number for uh for for the numbers game. It's, it's just a very interesting way in which black people have been self-determining and survived. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. I hope you'll join us for our Kwanzaa teach-in on Wednesday night, right here at 10 p.m. And I'm wishing all of you a very a holiday season that is filled with hope and looking forward, uh, looking forward in a brave and visionary way. So you better buy your Sunny Boy Dream books. And uh, take care of your family. Be safe. Make good decisions around your health and the safety of your family and the people that you love. Thank you so much, and see you Wednesday night. Um, Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you,
1: speaking truth to power and
5: ourselves.
7: Of a man. I saw the thunder and heard the lightning and felt the burden of his shame. Of that letter We talked about the room And now I hear the sound Of sirens Come laughing Through the gloom But they don't know What they are doing They could hardly understand that they are only a pieces
4: of
7: a man.